0: Hi and welcome to another edition of Seeking Sustainability in Japan. I'm your host, based in Hiroshima, Japan, JJ Walsh, and in this episode, I'm talking with Japan by River Cruise co-podcast co-host Bobby Judo, who is talking about his Bobby's Kitchen experience, his travels around Japan with NHK and different programming and his upcoming new big venture to open his own barbecue restaurant out in the rural countryside of Japan uh, in an area called Saga. There are some great connections to people, planet and profits to consider here from this conversation from the fact that Bobby is moving his family out to this rural area of Japan, which is declining in population, that is already helping the community and part of the people component. He's also rebuilding an old house and creating a new business uh, in an area to appeal to people to come and visit or new residents. So this is also a big part of building community. Bobby is also choosing to package his new line of spices in glass bottles with metal lids, which is more recyclable than the usual plastic. Uh, We talk about that in the conversation as well. There's a lot of great takeaways here. I hope you enjoy this episode. Here we go. Here we go. Here comes Bobby. Yay! So, talking a little bit about your crowdfunding and your background and uh, what do you do as a TV personality when you have a bad hair day, that kind of stuff without pictures. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Did you find find some bad hair day pictures of me on TV? I'm sure they're out there. You are
0: very honest (laughs) on Twitter, you're like super honest.
1: And oh, yeah, uh, you, yeah.
0: showed, you showed your recent picture where you're showing a bit of wrinkles because you just had a birthday, <laughs> yeah.
1: right? <laughs> yeah, I just turned 38 and uh, I did actually an event for this crowdfunding. We did a tasting event where I cooked for a bunch of people out in the town that we're moving to. And it was just one of those pictures of yourself that you look at and you go, oh, my God, what happened to me? And I get, I get like all these laugh lines and smile lines around here. Uh, it's very much from from my parents. But I I saw this picture and I went, oh my God, I've aged so, so much. And I showed the picture to my wife and she said, "Ah, you look fine. You look fine. And then I just zoomed it in on the face and she went, you should use moisturizer.
0: (laughs) Having a good uh, skincare routine as a man, especially if you're going to be on media you got to do it. Do you have any tips for other men how to keep your, your skin nice and moisturized?
1: Tips for other part men. Of,
0: part of your image too, right, is keeping fit and uh, being being on a cooking show but not showing that you like eating too much must be a tricky balance, right?
1: Yeah, so, so I had, um, as, a, as a Japanese TV personality, I've been working in the, the entertainment industry in Japan locally and a little bit nationally for uh, about... 12, 13 years now. And um, my longest running job was as a TV chef. I had a, a segment called Bobby's Kitchen where we would go to a local farm or a local you know tofu producing factory or a pickles factory and see what they made. And then I would use that in a recipe on the spot. Um, and I was, when I first moved to Japan, even from back in, in my time in Florida, in America, I was never super fit. But when you move to Japan, you get, you get that, gaikokujin filter applied to you where people look at you and they assume that you're better than you are or more handsome than you are or, or all of those things that we experience living here and when i started working for tv i found this phenomenon where because i'm very tall and i have what they call a small face my features are are concentrated in a way that the japanese find aesthetically appealing um they would look at that and they would assume that i had a nice body and then when we went to do like an onsen shoot or a hot spring shoot or something like that, in the meantime, I was saying whenever I would do anything where I had to take my shirt off, the response from the Japanese crew would be like, not quite what we were expecting. And I was, I was, never, I was never like big enough for it to become like a character trait. Like I, was, I always had a, a healthy layer of fat. Um, it's what the Japanese would describe as like puyo puyo, which is a little bit chubby but they were expecting ripped and they got chubby and it wasn't quite chubby enough where they could like make a joke out of it. And so they didn't know how to handle it. So after a couple of years of that, I got a job as an, as an actor working for a movie where I had to play a soldier and they asked me to bulk up for that. And I kind of took that as an opportunity to, to create a body that kind of matched Japanese people's expectations about me. And so then I got really into fitness and, and exercising and, Now, post-COVID, that's all gone again.
0: Oh, no, you did. I was watching one of the pictures I wanted to show was you did this cycle, a bunch of cycle videos. You were in Hiroshima doing a cycle tour, uh, finding some local Hiroshima vegetables and going over the bridges and stuff. And then you did a a really cool cycling trip in Miyakojima as well on the southern islands. Yeah. Yeah. So you you yeah, finally get some and, homestays we did uh, and keep yeah. your job right on media <laughs> having that together yeah, is yeah. perfect.
1: Yeah, I find a way to make it work. Um,
0: just give us a little bit of background so you started in the island of Kyushu in the southern island in Saga as a jet as a ALT That's right. right.
1: Yeah, I came over on the JET program as an ALT in 2006. Uh, I taught in very rural Saga Prefecture for a couple of years. And then I moved to Tosu City in Saga Prefecture for another uh, year. And and during my fourth contract, my fourth year, I started working for Saga TV as um, a semi-regular TV reporter or presenter. And as that started to get busier and as I started to get more, more opportunities for other channels uh, or acting opportunities or things like that. I moved uh, out of teaching and started focusing on um, entertainment work full time. So now I've been doing entertainment for about 13 years. Uh, I've done everything from bridal modeling to uh, dressing up as Santa Claus to having my own uh, my own dedicated segments on four or five different channels. I've done national work for Sekai Pushiki Hakken. Um, you you were driving a NHK train World. recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for, uh, that's for uh, Kyushu Asahi Hoso, it's KBC, and I do a segment for them where every week I kind of go to one of the Shichoson, one of the local municipalities in Fukuoka Prefecture, and do some sort of experience, try something out. And this one out in, um, there's actually a, a place called Canada Kanada Eki, in uh, Fukuoka, and they have this experience where you can drive a train. And they actually, I think anybody from like nine years old and up, if you make a reservation, you can go in and they put you, they give you the coat, they give you the gloves and the hat and so they let you actually you, operate the train.
0: Were you really driving the train? Cause it looked like you were.
1: Oh, absolutely. I was actually driving the train. I was driving it for all of like 80 meters uh, <laughs> in the train yard in the back. That's not connected to anything, but they do. They let you start it up. They let you break it. and Run it That's back and
0: awesome. For anybody who's missed this, go to Bobby's Twitter feed, and you can yeah. see the video of it. It's like a ten or twenty-second video, and you're doing yeah. all the right gestures that the train yeah. conductor does. Yeah. You do a little announcement,
1: right? Yeah. all that, all that stuff.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, anybody can do that if they visit Canada. If they
1: make a reservation, yeah. There's a height requirement because you have to be able to see out of the, <laughs> out of the window. But there's a huge culture of um, trained fanaticism in Japan. Uh, they call it densha otaku or uh, not densha otaku. Tetsu.
0: Well, we have that all otaku, over the world, yeah. right? Train spotting. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah.
0: But i'm always surprised like i'm a big fan of hiroshima's retro streetcars too right and i'll i'll be standing at like a cool intersection taking pictures and i'm not the only one like i'm surrounded Mm -hmm. by people who are train spotting all over the place you know
1: yeah people will will travel from all over i mean it's a it's a tourism industry as well
0: so you've got canada where Mm -hmm. in fukuoka where you were doing the train And in Saga, there's a place, isn't it, called America, USA, USA.
1: (laughs) Oh, USA is not in Saga. USA is in, is it, is it in Miyazaki? I think USA is in, no, USA is in Oita.
0: Okay, that's where I was.
1: Yeah. So my, yeah. my
0: jet experience was in Oita, and your jet experience, how you ended up in Saga, is very similar to mine. Mm-hmm. So I, I basically, in the interview, I said, I'm happy to go anywhere in Japan where I can learn Japanese. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, okay, how about Oita then? I was like, oh, great. You <laughs> know? And it sounds like that was for you as well.
1: Did you, did you know what Oita was when you took the job? You well, ever heard actually, of Oita?
0: my my parents had split up when I was in high school. My dad married a Japanese woman and had settled in Oita, so I oh, mentioned wow. Oita as oh, I'd I'd be happy to be there. And yeah. they're like, you would? Okay, yes, yes, yeah. please.
1: <laughs> I had I had no idea what Saga was. I just was happy to have the job, and when I got the notification, I immediately started Googling, and back this was in 2006, uh, there was not a lot of English language information on Saga available online. And I think I, the closest I could get was I found a bunch about Kyushu. And it was like, Kyushu is a island with active volcanoes, which is not Saga at all.
0: <laughs> and Kyushu is massive and so yeah. diverse. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. You get that's the only information. Yeah. That's only in Kagoshima too, right? Volcanoes. Or no, I Kagoshima. guess Aso, Aso has volcanoes too, right?
1: Also, in Kumamoto, does recently, also san uh, erupted warming, recently. Right? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, your barbecue business that you're trying yes. to start is also in Saga, where you first started working and yeah. where you've been doing a lot of TV shows. So, is it kind of building on that audience, the Japanese audience that already knows you as someone yeah. who's really into cooking? And then you got the idea to buy this old place and do a remodel. Is that right?
1: So wanting to open up a restaurant has been a dream for a long, long time. Even I've always been very into cooking and very into serving people food um, and kind of playing and experimenting with food and designing my own recipes. So even before I started doing TV work, it was always kind of like a goal that maybe someday I could have this dream where I could open up a restaurant in Japan. Uh, And then having done that cooking corner in Saga for so long, when we started thinking about what we could actually do, where would be the best place to do it. Um, I'm known in Fukuoka as well, but not so much for cooking as I am in Saga. And uh, so we started looking for properties in Saga, and we actually found this amazing location uh, right on, right very, very close to the spot where my wife and I first met 13 years ago, which what? again is is kind of like, it's got a feel of destiny to it. There's this... Um, This town out in Karatsu called Nanayama, which is, uh, for a foreigner, it's one of the easiest to read place names in the world because it's just seven mountains. (laughs) Oh,
0: that's easy. Very,
1: very, yeah.
0: Nanayama.
1: Um, Nanayama. And they do an event every year called the Waterfall Climb. I think they call it the the International Shower Climb. And they've got this huge river system with all of these smaller waterfalls. And every year they have this uh, international exchange event where they invite about 1,500 people to come get in the river and you put on a vest, you put on a helmet, you get a rope and you make a human chain and you just climb up the rapids basically. And there are places where you can actually climb smaller scale waterfalls or jump out of a tree into the river. And they they do this with 1,500 people and of those 1,500, 250 or so, they set that, they set that space aside to invite uh non-japanese people so people come from the military bases people come from korea um all the jets go and it's this huge international exchange event every year and the first year i ever went and participated they have the opening ceremony and i just so happened to to line up a little bit close to my wife in the opening ceremony and we noticed each other and and that was how we we first met um and so now
0: Is is she from saga
1: She's from uh, Karatsu, which is okay. she's from that area, but in a, a slightly different part of that area. So this will be a move back a little bit closer to her family as well.
0: All right, which is nice because you have yeah. kids and getting the grandparents and extended yeah, yeah. family involved, right?
1: Well, we're not that far from them now. We're about an hour away from them now, and we'll be about forty minutes away from them in the future. So this isn't a really far move, um, but but it will be really nice and uh, the the father-in-law in particular is like chomping at the bit to get out and start helping with the renovations and things like that. Oh,
0: nice. Yeah. Well, that's good. Cause it is a lot of work. It looks like yeah. you've got an old Akia, like an abandoned house and yeah. then some open land. Yeah. Uh, tell us about your plans a little bit.
1: So it's not entirely an Akia yet. Uh, it was, um, it's a big, big old country house that is actually, a, um, it's a 12 bedroom. And it was occupied by by three generations. So it's the Japanese style where, you know, they have a family home and they live in the family home. And then when the eldest son, you know, gets married and wants to start his life, they kind of build on an addition. And they have a house split into two sides, but they keep the generations together. So it was used like that, which is why there's a slightly older part and then an addition, and which is why it has so many rooms. But currently it's just one older woman who lives in it by herself and she's looking to to get out. Um, so this spot is this huge house that's kind of an L shape and then it's uh, a lot of land that overlooks that river and across the river is a big park and the river set up so there's like stone bridges, you can cross it, you can, it's a real shallow area so every summer families come out and they put up a tent in the park and their kids play in the river and there's a vegetable stands and a farmer's market just right around the corner. You can walk up the street and there's an onsen. And right in the middle of all of this stuff, she has this property that she's getting rid of. And there's a big outside space as well, as you mentioned. So we've bought the property and we're going to take one leg of the L and kind of turn that into our residence. And that, that we're all doing uh, independently with our own funds and our own money. And that leftover L um, and that outdoor space that overlooks the river... We're going to turn that into uh, an industrial kitchen and a little bit of like counter seating and inside restaurant seating uh, and a shop to produce spices and sauces that you could use for a barbecue. And then the outside space, we're going to build a big deck area and set up five or six barbecue stations uh, where people can come out. And currently you're not allowed to barbecue in that park. So if somebody wants to come and spend the day, they could rent a little barbecue space and cook, cook out and their kids can go down the stairs and play in the river and make a day out of it. And That's
0: can- a great idea. We yeah. don't really have that in Japan yet so much. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I grew up in Hawaii and we, at every beach that you go to, mm-hmm. and I know in Australia is like this too, you've got barbecue areas that you can rent out yeah. Or, or you can use for free, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a great idea as a way to get people to come out and enjoy the rural area because very, a lot very of much rural so. yeah. areas around Japan are becoming like ghost towns, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this area itself, Nanayama, um, there's a very active younger population, but not a very large one. So the like anywhere else in Japan, the bulk of the population is aging. And so now they're kind of looking for the younger generation they're hoping to bring more people in, and they're also looking for the younger generation to take on more active roles in, in building the community and keeping the community clean. Um, there's a, a group of people called the Nanayama Mura Okoshi, which is kind of the uh, the village revitalization or economic revitalization organization. But uh, we've already joined them and done some activities with them. They go out and they do like a, a river clean where they they bring out their big weed whackers and and go out and and kind of maintain the river so everybody can continue to enjoy it.
0: Nice. So do they pick really... up any plastic as well, of course. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, um, the good thing about these areas out in kind of rural Japan that still have a small size town population is that they're already kind of responsible for um, keeping their their own areas clean. So any of the garbage and kind of things that you do see out tend to be from tourists who come through, or you know, people who come through on on motorcycles for you know when they're out touring. And um, this town is really, really good about uh, keeping up with that and also doing all sorts of other projects to beautify the town. The roads that run through the town, they have uh, a group that goes out and and installs um, flower boxes all along the fence and the guideposts that line the road. Nice. it's, It's just a gorgeous area.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a great area and you're you're planning to do your own spice blends Mm -hmm. uh, to rent out the barbecues. But you're also talking about accommodation on the crowdfunding. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah. So um, there's enough space in that that leg of the L of the building that we're not going to use as our residence that we can have the shop and also have about a studio sized apartment with its own kitchenette, with its own uh, bathroom and a uh, bathtub as well. So what, we're, what we'd like to do short term is be able to kind of offer that as, as a space for somebody who comes out and uses the barbecue and wants to you know, spend the night and spend some time in the town. As you know, the longer you get them to stay in the town, the more benefit you get for the local economy.
0: Definitely, and the there's actually the same amount of damage. Like they know if somebody stays in a hotel or any kind of accommodation for one night versus three nights, the amount of damage and energy they use is about the same. Isn't that crazy? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So it's the amount much of damage. Better, well, in terms of how much energy and water and uh, okay, okay, uh, how much you meant- cleaning. Has i to thought be you done. meant the amount of
1: damage they do to the room
0: <laughs> no, no. no i think it's, sorry in terms of sustainability yeah so yeah. like if you just stay one night the cleaners have to come in and use the same amount of cleaning and, yeah, and yeah. towels and everything as if they stay three nights yeah. it's about the same it doesn't yeah. really change plus they have more chances to spend money in the local area right 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 yep. that's
1: so that's kind of the short-term plan the long-term plan is to be able to use that for longer stays so um i'm talking to the the local community about um an international exchange program where they do they already do that international waterfall climb every year so what if you kind of set aside some funds to hire someone from abroad to come for that period I mean, it's not just the day of the event they do all this you know advertising leading up to it they do all this preparation leading up to it they have to you know prepare the river they have to prepare all the vests it's kind of months of planning and yeah. it's kind of the culmination of their summer so if we could get you know the space or the funds to hire somebody to come to japan and live in the town for that summer and be kind of like their uh resident foreigner from abroad for the year to be a participant and help them set up that event It'd be a great opportunity, again, for the local economy, again, for um, kind of getting their name out there on the international map and uh, and for cultural exchange for the local town as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Great idea. I've yeah. heard um, some uh, rural areas, they use woofers. Have you ever heard of woof?
1: Yeah, yeah, the farming stays, right?
0: Yeah, organic farming network around the world yeah. and uh, some cafes in rural areas will use uh, this network to hire staff, but I think there's certain regulations and stuff connected to that. But that's you know that's a great idea. Just doing it like a direct yeah. hire and getting someone to stay for a yeah. month or so. Yeah, yeah. Room free accommodation and free yeah. food, and uh, they'd work for you or yeah. help you with projects. But also, yeah, well, they
1: they give that work for the town. Nice right.
0: atmosphere of internationalism, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah they could go to the local school they could they could do all sorts of yeah, exchange stuff
0: like kind of like a jet like we did right <laughs>
1: yeah yeah like a jet for the summer
0: <laughs> like a jet short term jet for the yeah. summer yeah didn't they have like jet uh teachers who were just teaching sports and stuff like they really changed it since
1: they I did was well slept, right? they they had us i think yeah they did they did have like a, a sports specific jet position yeah Interesting. Yeah.
0: Um so we've talked a little bit about uh, your NHK stuff. Uh, yeah. Are you planning to do like any uh TV shows and stuff once you open your place or are you going to build a comedy stage, have like stand up night or yeah. are you going to collaborate with Sakamichi Brewery and have your own craft beer section or what what other collaborations can you foresee? I-
1: so I foresee a lot of a lot of uh, the local TV stations that I've worked for up until now, and even maybe some national places, wanting to come and do a story. Um, the ultimate goal is, especially as I get older and as the world gets less and less stable, you kind of never know how long uh, a talent career uh, is going to last. So, so I'd like to have kind of um, another line of income or another thing that I can turn to to support my family as our family grows. Um, But I think a lot of TV stations in the area would be interested in coming and seeing what we're doing. I think if we are going to invite someone from overseas or if we are going to get involved with the local community or if we are going to kind of do DIY and and redo the restaurant all on our own, there are opportunities for a TV project there where somebody might want to come. Or the town itself has talked about the idea of sponsoring a project based on um, EJU, which is uh, domestic immigration, which is moving from one town to another. So for example if if we did a show about us moving to Karatsu and reforming this old house and creating this fun environment, the town of the city of Karatsu might want to film that and then put it on TV in Fukuoka or in in another nearby city to encourage people to come get them excited about the area so that's a possible collaboration. I absolutely would like to talk to Sakamichi Brewing about uh, what to do about stocking our beer. Um, yeah, that's, that's very, very high up on my list. That's
0: going to be a big pull, I think. Um, yeah. I saw a lot of success with Rise and Win. Have you heard of Rise and Win? They're in Kamikatsu, the zero-waste town. Um, but they have been able to pull a lot of people coming from Osaka and other areas of Shikoku and really far away over the bridges just to come and enjoy their barbecue and craft beer.
1: So yeah, it's yeah. been
0: a really big like pull and attraction yeah. to bring people out to the countryside. They now have a second brewery. So mm. I think there's a lot of models around Japan. You could definitely yeah. get, ideas from but I think connecting it with Sakamichi Brewery would be awesome yeah and then uh, they're also really into cycling so maybe they could you know set up cycling and craft beer tours around your area
1: (laughs) yeah it's a great it's a great area for it uh the stand-up comedy stage I I do have that as a pipe dream but honestly in that part of Japan there's no audience for it (laughs) (laughs)
0: because you did stand-up comedy in Japanese as well in Fukuoka didn't you
1: I've done stand-up comedy in Japanese all around, right. uh, with mixed levels of success. Um, but I think I think I'm I'm kind of looking forward uh, to the barbecue business as a chance to kind of step away from. I've gotten to the point, especially through TV, where if I run into somebody who knows me from TV on the street, they'll go, "Say something funny. Say a joke." <laughs> it's, the
0: pressures. So yeah. Oh, that's funny. Well, let's talk. Yeah. I think we talked a little bit on Instagram Live about the spices. Let's talk a yes. little bit more yeah. about that. Um, actually, do you... I have
1: one right here. Yeah, this is uh, this is jerk spice. So this is the spice that you would use for jerk chicken, or you could use it in a Jamaican style curry. You could use it for jerk fish. It goes well with shrimp. I tried it the other day, just um, shaking it into uh, shaking it into a pan with vegetables and, and cooking it up. It's really really good. It's actually it works as friti cake as well. But um, I have That's a whole good. lot of uh, spice blends that in doing my recipes over the years, I've I've kind of nailed down my proportions, my blends. Um, like I do a really good chili. And so if you just have that kind of uh, spice blend for chili, you get your vegetables together, you throw it in a pot, you throw in the seasoning and, and you're done. Do the same for tacos. I can do the same for a, a roast, some sort of roast meal. Can you hold on just one second? I you get the, need to the door. door, door. Answer yeah.
0: the door. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be but, right back. Yeah. Um, so talking about the spices, and I'm yeah. so happy, like I mentioned on Instagram, I'm so happy to see that your packaging is mm. glass and metal, which is much yes. easier and possible yeah. to recycle in Japan because it has mm. value in yeah. the recycle system. Plastic does not just get
1: burned. It's
0: actually burnt in Japan. Yeah. So it's so great. And to me as a consumer, I immediately think of a product in glass and metal as higher value, higher quality yeah. Yeah. from my user perspective. So mm. that was great. Tell, tell us about why you guys chose that.
1: So we're doing spices and sauces as well. We're doing like a American style barbecue sauce with a tomato base um, and uh, kind of brown sugar, apple vinegar, um, we're doing a honey mustard we're doing a, a couple of different things and when we were researching the packaging uh, of course the way it looks and the quality is, is a big issue but also the cost is a big issue and by and far for, for a sauce in japan if you think about shipping if you think about um, actually doing the packaging getting the sauce into it and the equipment that you need for that the cheapest way you can go is these little what they call them um kind of they call them shinkro in Japanese, but I think they're like shrink wrap kind of packages where they're little plastic sleeves that you pump them in, you can vacuum seal them, and then they have a little plastic screw on cap. Oh, and
0: yeah. it's that. very
1: cheap, but it's like it's you would be using so much plastic.
0: And it immediately just looks so cheap too, yeah, right? Yeah. Like you just don't like the look of it. I don't yeah. I, I don't know, maybe people don't care. Um, is it in a, is it called retort? I just learned this word. Oh, you, I saw
1: you like, learn this word retort. Retort is more of kind of like the, um, the, like aluminum foil looking metallic packages inside.
0: Okay. Yeah. Like, I, was like, so MREs. I yeah. was like, what the heck is retort? And yeah. then the staff were like, that's an English word. And I was like, I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure it's not used <laughs> this way. You know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd never come across it before in Japan, but that's like the instant curry that you get in the, the little metallic-looking packages that you can put in a boiling pot of water or something. That's all right, called retorto right. yeah. in Japan. I think
0: people, people on Twitter were very helpful. Thank you yeah. very much. And Let me uh, see. I think me, actually
1: I, ha- I have one. Hold on. Okay.
0: Like, easy to use. Uh, you can use it quickly, like, ready to eat, maybe.
1: So this is this is the kind of package that we were looking at this is somebody okay. else's barbecue sauce a japanese style yakiniku no tare, and it's um you can see it's just a plastic sleeve and these are very very common because they're easy to freeze they're easy to ship um shipping costs go way way down but we're actually um like you said they don't look they don't look good they look cheap and also they produce this incredible amount of waste that's just awful so one of the things that we're going to be doing since not only are we selling online um, but we're going to be selling locally as well is we're going to use uh this is our what size is this this is like holds about 90 grams of spice and then we've got a barbecue sauce one that holds about 370 milliliters of sauce so it's a bigger not quite like spaghetti sauce size but about two-thirds of that um Since we're going to be selling on site as well, we're going to provide the option for people to bring the jars back and get a rebate or also bring the jars back and refill them or even better, bring in their own jars, bring in their own containers and sell by weight. So, you know, if if our our set barbecue sauce uh, volume is 300 milliliters. Bring in your own thing. We'll spoon it into your thing and take it home.
0: That's awesome. And that's yeah. that's in use uh, at zero-waste shops in Japan or yeah. around the world. Yeah. Um, Kamikatsu, like I mentioned, is a zero-waste town. So they're a rise and Wind brewery and barbecue place. They yeah. do that. And yeah. uh, you can bring your own container and fill up on beer, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring your own growler. So
0: bring your own growler. Yeah, bring right, your right. own bottle for spices or foods or snacks, and then yeah. bring your own growler for beer. Well,
1: but I think that's Sakamichi. I think that's future, we talked to right? yeah, yeah, we talked to Sakamichi about this, and it's not just good for the environment; it's good for the business as well because it provides an opportunity for an extra sale if you start selling the packaging. If you you sell that growler, if you sell that, you know, this is your barbecue plate. You buy the barbecue plate. Every time you come in and use this plate, you get, you know, 50 cents off or a dollar off or whatever.
0: Absolutely. Especially because the the container that you buy is going to be a higher quality uh, container that keeps it in better condition. Like the reusable growlers, they keep the beer in better condition longer than if you buy it in a can
1: right
0: yeah yeah so yes yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's the way forward I talked to a guy uh, from TerraCycle mm-hmm. he's trying to get TerraCycle loop started in Japan with reusable container systems yeah. through the Eon Mall chain so oh, that's yeah, yeah. a real game changer for Japan
1: yeah because Japan their supermarkets do so much sales of what they call sozai which is prepared ready to eat stuff and they they prepare them in these plastic packages this little either styrofoam tray or a plastic tray that's got plastic wrap it's got a plastic lid and then plastic wrap over the top so if you could if you could follow like some of the european models i've seen where you know they let people bring in their own glass glass tupperware uh, their their own little glass sealable packages and and do it you know sell it by weight it's just so much better yeah
0: and one of one of the things that I got really excited about on Instagram earlier, uh you were talking about the ninja burger and maybe oh using, yeah, 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 using local saga seaweed in a burger, yeah, yeah, yeah. which sounds so great
1: well saga has has all sorts of great um agricultural products. seaweed is a big one uh citrus fruits are another one citrus fruits um can be used in a lot of ways in sauces and seasonings. Um, I met somebody who who produces what she calls golden limes, which are a, a brand of lime that turns yellow uh when it ripens and nice. she she like uses every part of the lime she uses the juice uh in i think cosmetics
0: is that yuzu in japanese no no it 's a
1: lime it's a lime.
0: lime a yuzu
1: so a yuzu is a very different flavor from a lime it's a Japanese yeah, citrus yeah. fruit but um She's actually got a yellow lime and she uses the zest. She she uh, dries the zest and uses it in, in like a lime salt. Oh, um, but Saga has so there. much to work with. Yeah,
0: because yeah. lemonade, uh, if I go to any coastal area now around Japan, a lot of places are selling lemonade, which is really yeah. popular. Really easy to do because you've got all this local great water and local citrus, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Halfway there. And
1: uh, tea as well. All sorts of... Um, Saga yeah. has a couple of really good tea producing regions.
0: Nice. Oh, you've yeah. got so much to work with. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um. So if people want to support your crowdfunding, they have yes. to be in Japan. Um, so but if they're not yeah. in Japan, they can contact you directly. Is that right?
1: There's two options. There's the crowdfunding site, which is on Campfire. And if you were to go there and search uh, Bobby Judo or Bobby's blends, you would find do it. Do you
0: have the link? Cause you can put it in the chat right I now.
1: Do let me throw that in the chat right here.
0: Yeah, And then I'll put it uh, yeah. underneath. Awesome. I'll put it underneath and, after on different channels.
1: Yeah. And uh, you can see a lot of people have given so far. Super, super, super grateful. Um, what I, what I would, kind of expected what i expected and what i would love to see is if anybody likes the idea or if anybody likes anything about this and wants to support it if they could give just a little little bit i expected to see a lot of small donations and we haven't seen very many small donations at all what we have seen is a handful of people donating in like the thousand dollar range which is amazing wow. it's blown my mind
0: yen? like a thousand dollars
1: like juman
0: Juman, wow, uh, yeah. A Juman, right?
1: Nijuman, Sanjuman.
0: Yeah. And uh, so this is probably a kind of a joke-ish that Ali might ask, but how much of yourself are you willing to sell to get donations? <laughs> because I've, I've yeah. seen that you're offering like English classes, you're going to yeah, cook a yeah. private dinner. Mm-hmm. What What can you offer as rewards to get people to donate big amounts, eh?
1: So so since I've been on the, on the TV for so long, cooking and, and doing kind of uh, talent stuff, I've kind of hoped that you know somebody would want a private cooking lesson or somebody would want uh, a private English lesson or, or things like that. Um, we are offering uh, a one night stay in that uh, studio apartment when we get it set up. We are offering things like um, have your own private party at the barbecue facility for up to 20 people. A couple of people have taken that option. Uh, If you are not in Japan, if you're overseas and uh, would like to contribute, you could use PayPal, just to my email at BobbyJudo at gmail.com. And uh, even if you're overseas, if you give anything over $5, that will cover the costs of sending you one of these stickers, which, oh, wow.
0: I saw that you are also on Buy Me A Coffee. coffee. Could people donate through the Buy Me A Coffee page, Bobby Judo? Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. People could donate at BuyMeACoffee.com forward slash Bobby Judo. You uh, would be, you would be some of the first.
0: <laughs> and then, wouldn't that be fun? Like if people are abroad and they donate, but they come to Japan to be yeah. able to donate and then come and visit and yes. see it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be so and it, cool.
1: And visit and stay and help out in the community, and and it really is. Um,
0: and climb a waterfall,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. You come. You. Can, it's great in any season, but really the summer there is just. It's hard to describe if you haven't seen Japan's mountains and rivers in all their green splendor. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous place. We would love to, to welcome anybody to come through.
0: That's awesome. And I saw recently you were doing a camping activity with your family and your daughters brought in hats.
1: <laughs> Is this so,
0: the same area? That's hilarious.
1: This is, this is in Kyushu as well. Uh, it was in a different spot. But we're big campers. So a lot of the, the wanting to do outdoor cooking, a barbecue business, is because we spend so much time outdoor cooking already. But uh, we stayed. I have twin daughters who are six. And one of the reasons they're looking forward to this move yeah, is because it'll enable us to get pets. They're crazy about animals. They love animals. And we went camping. And it was the first night of a, of a couple of days of camping. And we woke up at like 5.30 in the morning. And this jet black stray cat who lives in the campground had come into the tent for work and fallen asleep under the table. And so my girls get up early and they get up and they went out to use the bathroom and things like that. And then I start to hear sounds of playing and meowing and I walk out to see what's going on. And this is the most patient, kindest, gentlest stray cat I've ever seen in my life. It was a young male cat, but... It acted like it was a teddy bear. It let them put it in a basket, let them swing it around. All the things that kids do to cats because, because they like it, but that the yeah. cat definitely is not enjoying. <laughs> oh,
0: that was so funny. Yeah. And your girls are so excited. So, yeah. Yeah. so you guys moved from Fukuoka, where you are now, and you're <laughs> going to move out to live yeah. full time, eh, in Saga?
1: We're, so it's, it's about a 30-minute drive from where we live now. So we're going to move full-time. I'll keep doing the TV work in Fukuoka and Saga for, for the first uh, stretch. And uh, they'll start school out there, which is a a rural Japanese school. I think there's something like um, 20, 25 kids in each class, in each grade. Not in That's each class, cool. in each grade. So like the entire elementary school, all of the first graders, there's 25 first graders.
0: This is another way that you're helping this rural area Mm -hmm. by helping, by getting your kids in the local schools, keeping that school alive because you are moving out there. I've heard this story from so many families who move out to the rural area and it really helps to keep the community alive, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think um, we're hoping that that it kind of provides an example for, for other people in the area, um, that there really is value in living in these kinds of places um, in, in a lot of different ways. And so far, the people who live there already have been so welcoming. I'm going to put up a video soon on the crowdfunding page, but we went out to do a tasting where like that local uh, Murda Okoshi organization came out and they let us do it in the parking lot of the onsen and the onsen staff came out. And a bunch of the local people came through and tried uh, the stuff that I was cooking. And not only did they 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 try the food and enjoy it and were happy to have us there, but it started to rain halfway through and it got really cold. And out of nowhere, everyone from the town came together and they'd thrown up tarps and they'd thrown up tents and somebody had brought out a fire pit and built a fire. And someone went and got hot drinks for everybody. And it was all this stuff that, you know, we'd come in from outside and, and, thrown together this this half-assed plan to kind of say, taste our stuff and and it turned into a community day. And that happening was just such such a positive feeling and such a, a positive reinforcement, kind of like this reassurance that we'd really kind of picked the right place, we really found a That's good spot. Awesome.
0: That's awesome. Uh, One of your videos when you went to Miyakojima and Mm -hmm. you had that big uh, cookout for miso pork, I think, with the local people, right? But he he runs a guest house and one of the beautiful things he said in the video is, once you come in the gate, you are my family. And I could imagine you guys doing that in Saga as well, right?
1: Well, we hear a lot of that um, when we go out to local areas to film these spots where, where local places do uh, homestay. And there was one um, actually out in Nagasaki. There's an island called Ojikajima, which is another one of uh, Nagasaki's Goto, the five like, kind of islands that are a little bit out. Um, but there was a, a study abroad project where they took a group of students from America to all different countries in one kind of long trip. And they asked them to rate which one was the best in terms of hospitality. And this little island out in Ojikajima was by and far consistently throughout a handful of years ranked the top. And so wow. we, did a, we did a segment to go out there and see what they were doing and why they were ranked so well and why all these you know, middle school, high school age kids who were going there every year found them the best. And we went and said, so what are you doing that makes these kids love you so much? Like, why, why do you consistently rank in the top? And they went, we don't do anything. We do nothing. They get here and they're, you know, we've got kids. They're one of our kids. They walk in and they're part of the family and tell them these are the rules. You break the rules, you're in trouble. But other than that, you know, <laughs> hang out do what you want. And it was this idea of Japanese omotenashi that has been... Kind of bastardized by the media and turned into this huge celebrated thing of look at our customer service, look at our hospitality, when really the traditional Japanese hospitality is not, is not necessarily elevating a guest from outside as much as it is welcoming a guest yeah. into your home and making them not feel like they're a guest.
0: And isn't that a beautiful thing about being in Kyushu, how personal it is? And I think um, we're in Hiroshima and we often meet travelers who've been in Japan for two weeks before they come here. And they often tell me they feel really lonely. Like it's very clean. Japanese people are very polite. Everything's high quality. But I don't have a chance to talk to anybody who lives anywhere, you know? And then when they come to places like where you're going to set up in Saga, Mm -hmm. you're going to be included like a local. And I think that's what visitors are seeking, right?
1: I think that's the trend in tourism, especially among repeat visitors, is to not only go and, and see the sights and eat the food, but to see how locals live and to feel like, I mean, it's what everybody wants when they come to Japan, is you want to feel like you saw the real Japan. Yeah, and sure. And that's something that you can do when you get out into the countryside.
0: And just have a chance to engage with real people doing yeah. normal stuff, you know, not not just be treated like a customer 24-7, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's there's such a difference when you go around in the city with a with a camera and a microphone and you interview people on in the street and there's this sense of hustle and bustle and you know a lot of people refuse to talk to you cuz they're in the middle of stuff but also when you find somebody there's this sense that they're like, "Oh, I'm going to be on TV, I'm going to present myself because I'm on TV now." And then you take that same camera out into the the countryside and you find an old woman sitting on the side of the road and you go, "Hi, what are you doing?" and she goes, "Waiting to die." it's it's just it's just people at their their natural their natural selves and they don't feel uh the need to put on airs or represent themselves as something that they're not
0: yeah just really nice you had that great interchange with a guy just outside hiroshima city as you're cycling along the riverside and you saw he's growing all this hiroshima na like yeah, this yeah. local hiroshima vegetable and yeah. he was great wasn't he yeah, yeah. but he's 80 years old and he's still out there and his ability to differentiate between good ones and bad ones when they all yeah. look identical yeah that was such he a had- fun conversation
1: he had this huge field of just one kind of a vegetable, one kind of leaf vegetable. And it's looking at this huge field where, where everything looks the same. And he would point to one and he goes, that one's not mine. You know, the neighbor farmer's seed got mixed in somehow. Would you I know that?
0: Know. And it looks yeah. identical to us, right? Yeah. Like he's been doing it for 60 years or something, right?
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: yeah it's just stories. it's just a
1: different experience and i think people who've been to japan once or twice you know they, they get to tokyo they get to osaka they get to kyoto and then they start to go okay i've seen it but i don't feel like i've seen it yeah
0: yeah um how has let's just get back to the crowdfunding a little bit how <laughs> has it been like it's really difficult to do crowdfunding and your yeah. your target is is high it's nine million yen, yeah, yeah. right um, uh, six, like, six. Oh, six million. Okay, good. It sounds better already. It's
1: it's um, not six million. <laughs> it's six hundred. Wait, six. It's roku, roku man. Oh yeah. Okay, that is six million. Yeah. Okay, so it's good, about
0: yeah.
1: in dollars. It would be about sixty thousand dollars.
0: But it includes yeah. a lot, right? It includes yeah. a lot of renovation, uh, basically starting a business. Do you have to get like a, a culinary certificate to be able to cook for people and stuff like that?
1: I have one. Uh, I've had one for, for years now. Um, because through TV cooking and things like that, um, a lot of times you'll do events where, where, you know, the TV station will have a festival and you'll set up a booth and actually cook something. So in order to be able to do that, I had to get all of the, uh, hygienic certification and the food handling certification. So that's all in the back. Um, and the crowdfunding that we're doing is, uh, it's not all or nothing. It's all in. So we've set a high goal, but we will, we will do the project no matter what amount. I mean, if, even if people only gave, even if we only picked up $30, um, which when we launched on the first day, I became very afraid that that's what we were going to get. Uh, uh, even if, if that, if this is something that we're going to do. The reason that the goal is set so high is because, as you said, there is so much to do because um, this is in an environment that's uh, riverside and because of the way climate change has affected um, Japan. It's not in an area that's ever been in any danger of flooding, but it does require maintenance that the uh, riverbank walls, the very high riverbank walls, are properly maintained so that they don't crumble during heavy rains. And crumbling would not only affect um, the river and the local environment, but it would actually affect the ground that our house and that the restaurant will sit on. So there's about um, $10,000 of work that needs to be done to make sure that the riverbank there is uh, sturdy um then we're setting up an online site uh, an ec site to be able to uh sell our products online we're going to be putting in an industrial kitchen we're going to be uh building out that deck and because we're doing an american style barbecue we're kind of committed to having um american style uh grill facilities um which are expensive to come by in, in japan and then we kind of, they're kind of set as, as stretch goals, but the money will be going into setting up that uh, studio apartment where somebody can come and stay and uh, setting up a parking lot, setting up some play stuff for kids, some playground equipment, potentially building a tree house. There's all of these things that we have the space to do and that we'd like to do. And they're our, our goals for living there over the next 20, 30 years. So, whatever money comes through in crowdfunding, um, Even if we don't get our full goal, we're still going to do it. But the amount that we collect uh, determines the scale and the quality of what we'll be able to do. So it's kind of the difference between are we going to have four barbecue stations or eight? It's going to be the difference between are we going to have a slide or can we build a treehouse? It'll be the difference between are we going to hire a carpenter or am I going (laughs) to throw some boards together?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean the good the good thing is that your community is behind you, right? Yes, yeah, and yeah. and you're kind of already known and connected there and I think yeah. that in addition to people that are finding out about you and from the outside, having mm. a local support network, that's massive. Yeah. That's a big support.
1: They really are and some of the some of the larger donations that we've received so far have been from the community itself. Oh, and so that's being awesome that welcomed and um, that supported when we're not even there yet is just so incredibly, incredibly um, humbling. That's awesome. Yeah. Well,
0: I hope you get your goal. Uh, yeah. When is your deadline? When are you doing it till?
1: We've got another 33 days, so it'll be uh, December 15th ish.
0: So yeah. best Christmas present ever or yes. yeah. kind of disappointing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean we're already at a place, and this is this I think is one of the psychological factors that maybe we um we uh should have considered more carefully when we launched the crowdfunding is um is that that idea that we're gonna do it, whether or not people donate money, kind of discourages donating money
0: oh, that's interesting, yeah, the psychology of it that yeah, you're yeah. not dependent on donations yeah.
1: And there's an interesting thing at play there where I don't really want to like go online and say, I can't do this on my own. I need everybody's help or I won't be able to pull it off because I have I have a pride issue there. But at the same time, um, I don't know, I think setting the goal so high at a place where we're probably not going to hit the total amount is not as effective as setting the goal at, say, uh, say 200,000 or 20,000 dollars because you know where we're at now people will look and say oh they only need a little bit more they only need a little bit more if i contribute they'll hit it they'll hit it so there's the psychological factor but also um we just kind of really hope that 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 anybody who sees the project and likes the project and goes oh i'd like to help out i'd like to maybe go there someday i'd like to see what the barbecue is is like um anybody who wants to give anything at all just to support is incredibly, incredibly uh, appreciated and encouraged to do so.
0: I think it's a cool branding tool, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're getting people invested in your idea. They're reading more about it before yeah. they give, give, put some skin in the game, right? Yeah. They, they yeah, give yeah. some money and then they have a sense of pride about it. Like, Oh, I donated to that. Oh, yeah. like, you know, I'm kind of, excited about that project because I gave yeah. some money, right
1: well there, there are even options where I mean if you give certain amounts um, to to literally be a part of the shop uh, there's a kind of like a lifetime supporter amount where you can you know get your name and face on the wall if you want um, there's an uh, uh, Ichiman amount where you can kind of put up your own business's advertising or get a message from our business to use in your advertising. So we really are trying to encourage those connections and to, to build a place that everybody feels like they can come to and make use of, in a way that helps that community.
0: That's awesome. Are you yeah. reaching out to your talento friends, your YouTuber buddies, and getting them to use their name recognition to help support you at all?
1: <laughs> here and there. Here and there. Um, you kindly have invited me on your show. Uh, oh. Well, well but i I'm, i also
0: minor. Yeah. how about hiko simon or
1: <laughs> hiko simon, i haven't talked to hiko simon in in a while uh directly but i could definitely uh definitely hit him up one of the things is if um it's hard to do is if you haven't talked to somebody in a while yeah. uh is to start a new conversation with them when you're asking for something
0: yeah yeah and, yeah
1: and actually this is um this is it'll it'll give you a window into my crowdfunding uh strategy and process but because I've been on TV for so long, I had about, I had about, I had thousands of uh, backlogs of Facebook friend requests from people I've never met.
0: Ooh.
1: And so in the months leading up to launching the crowdfunding, I added a whole bunch of people. Um, <laughs> That's <laughs> to, a good Except, except, except. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't that I'd never wanted to add them before. It was just that there were literally thousands from people that I don't know at all. Um. <laughs> So I'm willing well, to take their their donations,
0: though. Yeah, well, I I would suggest Alicia Iverson on her. Uh, creative. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She would interview you about doing a creative project. Um, yeah. There's also a, a Minka uh, community online yeah. on Facebook, yeah, yeah. and they'd be happy to n- to know more about the renovation part of it and then get yeah. some people interested. So there's yeah. there's definitely a lot of connections about the stuff that you're doing that yeah. should get people excited from different areas, different groups.
1: Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to, to build some more connections there as well.
0: And of course all your boat buddies from J- Japan by River yes.
1: Cruise, yeah. right? <laughs> We've got a handful of donations from uh, from uh, River Cruise passengers as well. Casey Bean nice. from The Bean Pot picked up a sticker. And, and Brian in Fukuoka, of course, always supports everything.
0: He's awesome. Yeah. Um, But does this mean that you're never going to have that boat, the Japan Barrier Cruise boat?
1: Well, the thing is, the new business is on a river.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. I would
1: would argue that it it increases the likelihood.
0: That's awesome. Well, I think we should end it there, but thank you so much, Bobby, for joining and talking about this great new project. Good luck with everything. I think it's really exciting. Yeah.
1: And JJ, sincerely, thank you for your support in in this and in other ways as well. I'll look forward to sending you a package.
0: Look forward to it. Can't wait. But definitely uh, check out uh, the Campfire crowdfunding and even if you're outside of Japan, uh, definitely get in touch with Bobby and see if he yes, can have a, have a donation and then come and visit Japan and visit this awesome yes. place.
1: We will have a place out in the countryside for you to crash and, uh, and some good food. So definitely. Sounds
0: good. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Seeking Sustainability in Japan if you'd like to watch the video of this talk check out the youtube channel linked below and if you'd like to support bobby's great project uh, the link is also below if you'd like to sign up as a monthly supporter of this show uh, this month is a special campaign if you sign up this month to be a monthly supporter you can get a beautiful postcard from Japan sent from me to show my appreciation. Thank you so much for all of you who support this podcast and talk show. I couldn't keep doing it without you. You guys are the best. Have a great day.